I'm Michael R. Bowie, and this is Fresh Green Blessings, reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. Another episode of Fresh Green Blessings where we're reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother Earth eyes. And I'm Michael R. Malley. And I'm Ollie Wren Erickson Malley. And today, we'll, uh, Ollie will be sharing with us um, from one of the Hebrew prophets, Jeremiah. Uh, we'll have a reading from chapter 10 of Jeremiah, verses 12, 13, and part of 16. And then I'll have a reading and then I'll give a little reflection on that, a little Dharma talk, and then at the end, Ollie will share further reflections. Uh, as always, we have the mindfulness bell. Uh, you're invited into mindfulness, invited to enjoy the sound of the bell, to enjoy this moment as we're about to enter into Jeremiah. Today's reading is from Jeremiah, chapter 10, verses 12, 13, and 16. It is he who made the earth by his power, who established the world by his wisdom, and by his understanding stretched out the heavens. When he utters his voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and he makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightning for the rain, and he brings out the wind from his storehouses. For he is the one who formed all things. Jeremiah, chapter 10, verses 1 through 16 is a polemic against the worship of carved wooden images painted with silver and gold by artisans. Jeremiah says that they are like scarecrows in a cucumber field, and they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. For Jeremiah, the great sacredness is a living, breathing God who is deeply immersed in earthly life. He makes the mist rise from the ends of the earth. He makes lightnings for the rain, and he brings out the wind from his storehouses. One with even a rudimentary knowledge of earth sciences or meteorology and weather patterns might smile condescendingly at Jeremiah's primitive understanding. But please, do not allow a rational, empirical mindset to negate your access to the poetry and epistemology behind Jeremiah's words. To view the quaking earth or the rising mist 
as God-powered, may appear quaint and archaic, but to embrace Jeremiah's way of knowing is to experience each flash of lightning and gust of wind as sacred. It is to embrace every element of the natural world as God-inspired. It is to celebrate every act of nature as imbued with the sacred. And dear Lord, what positive environmental change could be wrought if we would even begin to look at our earth through such eyes? This is not an otherworldly theology focused on individual eternal prizes given to the selves with the greatest self-focus on their individual salvation. No. This is a theology of wholeness. A theological embrace of the entire earth. This is a theology wherein God is alive in this present moment, voiced in a tumult of water, wrathful in an earthquake, breathing and being with us here on this planet, in this present, the one who formed all things. Along with this podcast series, Fresh Green Blessings, we're currently offering two other series. One is called Michael the Storyteller Tells Tales, and I tell old folk tales and family stories and original stories. And the other is called The Mindful Storyteller. And Ollie and I share about storytelling and story listening and mindfulness. And then, of course, there's this program, Fresh Green Blessings. And these three programs are really different, but one of the things, one of the elements that ties them together for me is the idea that we have to resacralize this world and our relationship to it. And what does it mean? And I say re-sacralize because I believe our ancestors, and I don't care if your ancestors came from Africa, Europe, Asia, indigenous peoples of this continent, island nations, anywhere in the world, our ancestors recognized everything is sacred. The plants, the animals, certainly the soil itself. Right now, as we're recording this, we're having a light snowfall outside. These incredible <laughs> flakes of white. are falling through the sky. 
transforming the way the branches of the bare tree in our neighbor's backyard look. I'm sometimes baffled by what's happened, particularly within the Christian tradition that I grew up within and that I still feel committed to, that Christianity has become this kind of otherworldly thing. And I think if we pay attention to the teachings of Jesus, and, and certainly if we pay attention to the Hebrew Bible like Jeremiah's reading today, the idea here is that the sacred is right here, right now. I love this. He brings out the wind from his storehouses. It sounds the way maybe a five-year-old would, would describe God having this storehouse of winds and he just opens the door and the winds come. That's an incredible world. a magical, wonderful place, this place. One of my favorite movies is, is the, um, um, a movie from the late 1970s called Jesus of Nazareth, and has all these stars, um, uh, Sir Lawrence Olivier is in it, and you know, it just goes on and on. Ernest Borgnine, you know, Michael York, and all these cast of characters. Um, and one of the things that I, I love about this film is that as that world is portrayed, everyone, almost everyone, is engaging or trying to engage with the sacred. Just a week or two ago, we, uh, Ollie and I watched with our kiddos Kundun, the Scorsese film about the Dalai Lama. And very similar, everywhere, every day, people are trying to engage. Not trying to, they are. They're engaging with the sacred. They're recognizing that they live they're swimming in the sacred. They're swimming in the holy. They're swimming in the holy. And somehow, somehow I feel like we've forgotten that.
And if we can, or let me put it this way, when we do reinvest in this earth as sacred, when we begin to view the trees and the wind and the animals with awe. As we do that, we are going to open ourselves more and more and more to the call for healing. The call for healing on this planet. Because we are in the midst of this beautiful, sacred world. But we're failing to act as if it's so. We're pretending we're in the waiting room for some sacred that comes after we die. And I'm not saying that the sacred doesn't continue after we die, but I'm saying the sacred is here now. And what is absolutely lovely is that as we start reading and rereading this Bible, we find again and again and again and again that this is proclaimed. We are dwelling in the sacred. This is from that Judeo-Christian tradition. This is formed by the sacred. Every gust of wind, every dandelion, every single human being, every rock and stone, all of this, all of this is sacred. Amen. We tend to think of scientific or empirical thinking and spiritual or religious thinking like a single light switch. To turn on one is to turn off the other. To turn on religious thinking is to turn off empirical thinking. Or to turn on scientific reasoning is to douse the light of the spiritual worldview. Need we be so naively dualistic? A room can be lit by an overhead light that allows us to delineate lines and contours and examine details with meticulousness. Alternatively, 
A candle or small lamp can be used for lighting, allowing for shadows and darkness, giving us a diffused melding of lines and contours while creating a warm feeling in the room. Is one truth and the other a lie? Might a candlelit room create an experience that is palpably different than that created by a good, strong, fluorescent lighting, but no less true? Can we access various lighting at different times? Can we even simultaneously combine different types of lighting, creating new experiences, giving us fresh insights, new perspectives, greater understanding, and fueling further curiosity about all that exists in the room. I'm Michael Armalley, and you've been listening to Fresh Green Blessings, where we've been reading the Judeo-Christian Bible through a Buddhist lens with Mother of Eyes.